Welcome to Automate, Delegate, Eliminate, where we discuss e-commerce issues and whether our guests today automated, delegated, or eliminated them and why. Your host is Will Christensen, co-founder of Data Automation. And again, welcome to Automate, Delegate, Eliminate. Awesome. Welcome to this week's episode of Automate, Delegate, Eliminate. We're here at our podcast. My name is Will Christensen. I'm your host. This podcast is sponsored by Data Automation. And today we have a very special guest. Really looking forward to talking to Brian Miller a little bit. I've got a little bit of a bio here that I'm going to read, but welcome to the show, Brian. Thanks for having me. So Brian is the CEO of Easy China Warehouse, a company that specializes in global e-commerce fulfillment. The idea of Easy China Warehouse came from the difficulties the founders experienced for themselves, shipping and distributing their own products to different countries. It's fair to say that they not only understand the issues their clients face, but have worked out the best way to overcome them. So we're super excited to talk about logistics and all of the things that are going to come with a warehouse. I love it when we start talking about the digital realm and the physical realm becoming meshed. And a warehouse is a perfect example of a place where digital and physical realms are constantly colliding. So I'm very excited about this episode. Thanks. Yeah, I'm looking forward to nerding out about warehouses. So I hope everyone else is, is as well. <laughs> We may have lost like three or four people there, but uh, that's okay. Nerding out is a little bit of what we do on this podcast. So yeah, basically it's a it's a big fat excuse to just sit down and talk about some of the craziness that's there. So um, obviously we've given a brief intro on what your business does, but we'd love it if you'd give us a little bit of an overview of what you do and, and how long you've been at it. Yeah, so our business basically helps e-commerce sellers um, distribute their products from China after it's been manufactured by the factory. So after a, a company manufactures a product, we take it to our warehouse and we do uh, one of a few things with their products. We could either store it or ship it by ARC to a fulfillment center in a local country like Amazon fulfillment centers that we all know or ship the item directly to the end customer from China. So that's kind of the ways that we support e-commerce sellers to get their products stored and shipped around the world to distribute them to their own customer. Awesome. I mean, it makes sense. I, I understand kind of what you're talking about in terms of where that goes. And I'm a little bit of a serial entrepreneur and I'm right in the middle of another startup where we're actually helping people with personal protective equipment. And so I've had a lot of discussions with people about getting product over the ocean and you know what what some of those difficulties look like so i, I think this discussion is going to be even more interesting for me today uh, than it would have been say three or four weeks ago before we started playing around with some of the other business models and ideas that i've, I've been playing with lately so cool i guess when we reached out to you about automate delegate eliminate one of the things that we like you to do is kind of think about a process that you've spent time automating delegating or eliminating and i'm sure you forgot you know you mentioned before we started the recording uh, oh, yeah, we've automated a lot of stuff in our warehouses, <laughs> so we could talk about a lot of different things. Which of these processes do you want to focus on? Yeah, I guess just like the most important part of the business, which is taking orders and fulfilling them. When we started, we would actually, I mean, I started basically on my own helping kind of my friends because they were all in e-commerce as well, just like me. 
And so I saw a need and then I started helping a lot of my friends ship their products around the world. And we basically started by taking Excel sheets from people <laughs> and putting those into the shipment carrier systems like DHL and things. And we'd print out labels and we'd kind of match the orders together and stick them on. And then I'd hand them over to DHL. So that's like how we started. <laughs> so very rudimentary in a room with a computer and a label printer. And we had no idea what we were doing. And so what we needed to figure out was how could we get a lower skilled worker to do this without having to think, right? And that had safeguards in between that would protect ourselves from making mistakes. and. By making mistakes, there's so many different things that you can make a mistake when you fulfill an order. Uh, you, could, yeah. you could put the wrong SKUs, the wrong products in the, in the package. You could print the label out twice and ship the item two times, right? You can miscount inventory. You can lose inventory. There's a lot of different things. And so what we went out and did is we found, we spent a lot of time researching a warehouse management software. And there's tons of software on the market everywhere. We bought basically a very uh, base system that a lot of companies make, and then you can build your own, let's say, features around it. So you can pay the company to kind of build your own, you know, API connections or and things like that. And that's basically how we started to automate our fulfillment process is to get software and start to pull orders in from uh, stores directly through API connections. So it's kind of complicated, but that's kind of how we started bringing in orders so that we didn't have Excel files because we found that there's a lot of error when you have a human basically fool around with an Excel file. And so, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, but the, the first is like not taking Excel files in. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually love that. And, and that actually, I have a couple of rules about automation that I throw out to everybody when we talk. And one of the rules that I want to kind of highlight here is do it manually five times first. I tell people like before you automate anything, do the dang thing manually five times first. And I'm curious, as I say that to you, what rings a bell for you? When I say do it manually five times first, what would have happened had you not done it manually five times first? Yeah, you're exactly right. So you figure out where the pain points are basically by doing it manually. So we did this by mistake, of course. But once you started taking Excel files, you realize that when you copy them into the other system, there's a lot of human error, chance for human error. Like you, you miss an order or a, a, a product gets left off or like a zip code gets left off or a zero on the end of a zip code gets left off. And so it's really good to like do it on your own and test it. And then you can understand if you do need software, well, what features does the software need? And how does that software need to work to avoid error? So absolutely, I completely agree with this. You got to try first. So I love that where you said, you know, you got to know what features that software needs. One of the things that I've done multiple times at Data Automation is I've had people come to me and say, well, this is what I'm trying to automate. And I'll say, well, have you Googled it? And they'll be like, no, I, I just figured I'd, I'd talk to an expert. And I tell them like, yeah, absolutely. You can talk to an expert, but you can bet the first thing I'm doing is Googling it to see if there's anything out there that seems to be built for what you're working on. Yeah. And then the second thing I start talking to people about is like write down that wish list. We we were hunting for a CRM that would handle similar like we were doing a lot of B2B outreach. We were talking to a lot of people and I wanted a way to track those partnerships. And so, you know, we did it manually for several weeks and we started to get an idea of okay, this is the sort of data we're trying to track. 
with this personal protective equipment business that, you know, serial entrepreneur over here, I'm trying to boot up and help people source and connect buyers and sellers. You know, we jumped in and we started doing things manually. And I thought, okay, I'm going to use Airtable. I know Airtable is way better than a Google spreadsheet. And I quickly realized that Airtable is actually too restrictive for the first version of a spreadsheet. You want something that people can put whatever they want into that field, like literally just type it all out. And I realized that, you know, a column in a spreadsheet is a representation of a placeholder for data. And you think about it, it's an intersection, right? So if you like picture that spreadsheet, you have your column, you have your row. Well, the row could be a supplier and the column could be the quantity that they have available. You come down to that intersection and that data point, it could be a number. But what sort of number? Are we talking tens of thousands? Are we talking millions? You don't know until you start talking to people. And so it's it's so powerful to just sit down, try it, get the data in there. And then after you've done it five times manually, at least start going back and figuring out. So you talked about, you know, selecting a software. And that's so powerful because, you know, half of automation is just finding somebody else who's already automated what you were talking about. And they've started selling it as a software as a service. So how many different softwares did you look at before you chose one to be like, okay, yeah, this is, this is where it is. Oh, we, we looked at probably like uh, 15 or 20 different warehouse management softwares. Yeah. And, and like, there was like, from just testing our first few weeks of, of doing fulfillment on our own, obviously we had a base idea of what we wanted. And obviously that didn't encapsulate everything that we needed in the future because we didn't even understand what we needed in the future at that point. We had like 5% of what we thought we knew, <laughs> even though we thought it was everything. And that's what we focused on. So that was like kind of how we started. So give me a rough idea of timing. How much time did you invest in each one of those separate pieces? You, you mentioned 15 to 20 different pieces of software. Is that like 15 to 20 demos or just you did research and you put 15 to 20 in a spreadsheet and then decided which ones were demos? What did that look like? Yeah, it was more like demos. So this is, you know, these software, at least for warehouse management, it's they're pretty expensive. They go from, well, I don't know, for a small startup like me, not mine, I thought it was expensive. They go from like three grand to 20 grand a year in license fees. So if you're just starting a business, it's it's a lot of money. I've never spent so much money on software uh, myself. So we met with a lot of the companies and they did a demo for us. Like they had a salesperson like run through the whole system. And then we would give them questions that we had that we thought were like pertinent to our business. And that's kind of how we like went through the review process and analyzed the cost. And a big thing for us in shipping was like API integrations. So how many carriers, like how many shippers can we connect to the API, like print labels out? And how many e-commerce platforms could we connect to as well that were already built? Because we didn't want to build those APIs if it wasn't necessary. So that was like a big, important thing for us in the beginning. Got it. So you had analyzed and part of the reason you knew that you needed those connections is because you'd been manually going to new carrier websites and entering data and you were like, oh my gosh. So so again, going back to do it five times manually, you'd probably done it a thousand times manually. Oh my God. So, yeah. Or more than a thousand <laughs> times manually. And so you knew, you know, I have not only a list of carriers that must be integrated from the, from the beginning, but you also had an idea of, okay, I, I've got six or seven others that need to be integrated within the next six months because I know they're going to be a pain in the butt later. 
Yeah, yeah. We had like a few carriers that we thought, oh, we can use right from the beginning. And then as we grew, we thought, okay, we're probably going to use that and that and that. And does that include this? So we were trying to think ahead. Obviously, I don't think you can think far ahead as your business grows because it grows and it morphs into something maybe not exactly 100% what you thought. And so you have to also be flexible that like in the future, you're probably going to spend some more money on development as, as your business matures as you should, right? It's it's important for you to kind of understand that now is the time to dive in and actually spend that money in an appropriate way. Whereas other times, it's just not, it's not time yet. Yeah. I mean, for us, at least any development spend that we have, it's definitely the best ROI for our business as far as the amount of time it saves, even though labor is not terribly expensive in China, but more so like accuracy. So every time that we make a mistake, which we don't often, course, <laughs> it costs us a lot of time to fix it and money to like resend a, a shipment, right? So our our biggest cost is error and software allows you to reduce that error as much as possible. Just because I found from seeing myself and other humans do tasks, it doesn't matter how smart you are, you're a human and you're going to make a mistake. So that's for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I love what you said there, and I think it's actually totally valid. We're, we're huge fans of, of FreeUp and a, a lot of the other, you know, I use Upwork all the time for, for sourcing talent for different things. But, but something you said there, I really want to nail this home for people. I know a lot of people that they focus so much on the delegate part of Automate, Delegate, Eliminate that they, they forget that error piece. And that they feel like, no, a human being is always the right answer. And I'm here to tell you that sometimes the right answer is to eliminate the process entirely. And sometimes the right answer isn't a human. It's a piece of software or it's a, it's a script that needs to be developed. And I think that, that key point that I want to pull out for our listeners is what you said. It's accuracy. People often have a difficult time quantifying not only the amount of dollars, but the amount of time, which obviously turns into dollars or money that they spend on those errors. Tell me a little bit about how you came up with, you know, you obviously have come to the conclusion that errors equal money and you've kind of dug into like, oh, yeah, there's time that I'm spending on that. Tell us how you came up with that. Where did you decide what an error cost your business? Yeah. So I think a lot of, at least in the shipping business, like, it's also important not only for our time, but also customer retention. So as an e-commerce seller before, I worked with a 3PL in the US that would constantly make errors or constantly I would have to send in an order and then send them an email three or four days later to remind them. And that extra energy as a customer that it aggravated me so much that I left them like very soon. And so we knew that like being accurate and being correct and not making mistakes is like critical to us ever surviving another day. (laughs) And I saw how much I personally was making mistakes, even though it was my own business. And I was sitting there and I was trying so hard to make sure that everything worked. And I still was creating errors myself. And when I saw that, I knew that like the only solution was to have software do it for us. And that's where I like really pushed to like get the software working and get my employees to use it. Because once you get software, it doesn't mean that like your employees want to use it nor care to use it because they're not used to it. And there's a whole process to even teach them like 
how to use it and why they should be using it and why it's important. So just because you get software doesn't mean you're done. <laughs> the job just begins when that happens, you know? So as we look at this, you know, and, and we take our process. So the process here, just to review for everybody, the process was whole crap ton of spreadsheets coming into the business. So if we're talking about where's the data now, the data was in spreadsheets given to us by the client. Where does the data need to go? Needs to go inside the system that Brian had to create these labels and get things moving. And what needed to happen to it in between, it needed to be copied and pasted to a whole bunch of different places. I, this is beautiful. And so if we're talking about the choice to automate, delegate, or eliminate, in this situation, you had chosen initially to delegate because you got other employees involved, you got other people involved. But as you went through that delegation process, you discovered that there was an opportunity to reduce errors by automating and eliminate the process of manually entering. So I love this because this episode is actually spanning all three. You know, first we delegated, we discovered how how painful that was. Then we decided, okay, we're going to really put some efforts into automation. And I love what you said about adoption. I mean, getting people to adopt an automation or getting people to adopt a new piece of software is not an easy task. I remember a specific individual, one of my clients, we dived in and we had automated a process that was currently taking one of his VAs in the Philippines 20 hours a week. And we built a spreadsheet that pulled in all of the inventory feeds, compared everything that was going on. He was using the Amazon restock report for FBA to figure out where he should send his shipments and where to pull the shipments from and push everything to. And the first time we showed that spreadsheet to this uh, VA who had been doing this for over a year, the first time we showed it to her, she was like, uh-uh. Like, this isn't faster. This isn't better. She had a really hard time. Like, like it, it, she was so fast at doing it manually that she was like, this, there's, this is not going to help me. And so it took me a full hour of explaining to her how I envisioned this new process going. And once it clicked in her mind and she understood that she no longer had to look up each individual skew in each individual place in that restock report and compare it to all the different inventory tabs. And she no longer like once once it clicked, like, oh, the data is all in the same place. And I've pulled it all in via a formula to kind of look at it. Now, obviously, in this situation, we did use Excel, but we used a whole bunch of formulas and some connections that data automation built to make that happen. But that idea of adoption is so powerful because she was, I mean, it, it was weeks of like, uh, not interested, uh, not interested until we got, and we sat down on the phone and I showed her the entire process beginning to end. She wasn't ready to adopt. Yeah, I agree with this. And and I could even add one one more point, which is sometimes when you do automate, it's not always quicker. And that's, that's why it, makes it tough for an employee to accept it. So when our fulfillment process started as taking spreadsheets, uploading them into like a DHL company and printing out labels and sticking them on a bag, if you can think about doing that for a few hundred orders, that's pretty quick, right? But once we introduced software that basically checked each warehouse worker's work, it actually takes longer to fulfill one order. And the reason is, is the software actually checks the worker to make sure that they're not making errors. So you actually have to click through certain parts of the software. Like you have to confirm that like, 
SKUA, so product A and product B is in the bag. You put it in there. You have to confirm the weight that you ship it as because that's how we bill the, the, the customer. So you don't, you don't realize, okay, now we have to bill them after and that takes time. So there's an extra process, right? And then you also have to release the, scan the order out of the warehouse, which takes time, but it avoids us double shipping something because if they scan the label twice, our system will tell them, beep, 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 uh, there's an error. We've already shipped it out. And so that, even though it takes the operator a long time, it saves me and my office workers time when there's an error, right? And it helps us with billing and it makes it more efficient. And so one part of the business, it slows it down, but the other part of the business, it speeds it up. And so you have to teach that employee hey, your job is slower, but it actually improves our business. So that's that's not easy as well. Yep. So sometimes just because it's not saving that individual worker time, there's an error that it's avoiding. And that error that it's avoiding is really where the payoff comes in. Right. Because I mean, imagine, I mean, for you, double shipping, I'm sure that was a huge pain. Yep. And I'm sure you lost, uh, lost good money on double shipments. It's powerful to understand the impact that's having on the business so that you can help these employees recognize no, like the reason I'm paying you to do this job and use this piece of software, there's real power here in what we're doing. All right. So we've talked about that kind of piece of it. I, I want to shift now. And this is kind of drum roll, please. And I, I purposefully didn't ask which piece of software yet. I kind of delayed that question because I feel like it's it's sort of the unveil, so to speak. But tell us, and this is not to say for those listeners reading, because I actually don't know which piece of software yet either. I'm really curious. I've, I've been holding my own curiosity back. So this isn't to say that this is the only piece of software out there for for warehouse management or the only one we're going to be endorsing or talking about. But tell us, Brian, which piece of software did you guys end up using? Yeah, I, I mean, no one's going to really hear about it. And unfortunately, I don't know if anyone's going to be able to use it that much because the software is mainly the backends all in Chinese. And that's what we needed. So there were like really specific requirements because our whole team, our whole team is Chinese. All of our warehouse workers are Chinese. So our backend all has to be Chinese. We use, it's called RTB. It's called Ran Tongbao. It's actually a local Shenzhen startup that does where warehouse management software and e-commerce warehouse management software. So it's actually a local Chinese company, like really ro local. We don't have any, we didn't choose any like Western company at all. So love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. So one of the things that I want to highlight for the users here is, you know, there were several people listening to this who were like, oh man, <laughs> because, because <laughs> they were so excited to be given a piece of software. If you're looking for a piece of software like this, let me throw out a couple that I was actually going to ask you. Is it Udu? Are you using Udu? Because Udu actually is like a shopping cart software that's open source and it's got a, a lot of things that you can build on top of it. It's very configurable. You know, for a second, I thought maybe it was Linworks because I'm, I'm obviously very familiar with a lot of different pieces. So if you're looking for good pieces of software to connect this way, let me, let me shout off a few for you. So definitely check out Udu. If you're looking for more of the open source route, I would check out Linworks or Skubana. Those are two really powerful pieces of software that do a lot of this connection piece. And lastly, the one I'd recommend looking at is, is ShipStation, uh, which does a lot of the carrier integrations and and pulling you know uh, orders down, pushing tracking information back up. So depending on where you are in your business, those are four examples of places I'd be looking for. And I could have guessed if you were to say, you know, if Brian had stopped me and been like, okay, guess which piece of software I, had, I ended up choosing. 
um, I probably would have guessed one of those four. And and I think it's powerful that you mentioned like we one of our key requirements was that you know the back end needed to be Chinese, right? Like it needed to be understood by the workers and the users who were handling not only the data but also the goods. The things that were were going in and out, and so I actually love that. It's kind of a, a twist in our plot here. <laughs> Very low class, yeah. Well, and that's important, right? And you figured out something that that could be integrated with the different carriers who are there to make that happen. So I, I think it's a powerful, powerful piece of it. Yeah, and that's one of the important things too. It wasn't just the Chinese, but also the Chinese software also integrates with Chinese carriers, which is critical for us. So like. A lot of the Western software or, or software from the U.S. or Europe or whatever, they don't really have a lot of the API integrations for like really, really local Chinese companies. And so that's another thing we needed to think about, which is not your normal search be just because of our environment, right? It's very unique what we're, what we're doing. Right. Well, and that, that honestly separates you from a lot of other people that are out there, which is part of why, you know, your business is a, a valuable resource for people to use. So I love that. I think that's a perfect ending, so to speak, to our discussion about this process. And obviously, you and I could probably go for three or four more hours talking about some of the specific things that were automated. But to recap here, you know, huge piece of process here that needed to be automated you know, and Brian chose to initially delegate and started to do that. And a lot of times that's where people go in their businesses. They'll initially delegate the, whatever it is they're working on because the business scales to the point where you have to have the delegation in there. Then we brought in some automation and, you know, 14 different companies were interviewed, looked at all sorts of different places. And then we decided to automate and fully get in there. Tell us about the process afterwards. What's this looked like or what's this done for your business in terms of <laughs> helping you get there? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the biggest value for us is it, it allows us to scale a lot. So once, you know, orders are able to be received quickly, shipping labels are able to be printed out accurately and billing is able to be done efficiently. It's very easy for us to add another client and add a lot more volume to our our daily shipments without having to um, really add many more people, right? Because the software is like doing all the work. And I think that's like the biggest value for us is we've been able to scale very quickly um, and rapidly with this as a kind of the backbone of our business. Love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. That's I mean, when you really get down to it, a business can't really grow until you have something that you can grow on. And and so like you said, this became the backbone of what you're doing to build that out. As we wrap up here, some questions that I like to ask all the entrepreneurs and other guests that we have on our podcast, what would you say is a parting piece of wisdom that you'd like to share with the other entrepreneurs and automators on the line? Yeah, I think you might. I mean, I always get caught in this trap is like, you know, I'm always looking for something that will give me an immediate ROI. And I think if you spend time looking into software, it might take a little while or even learning about your own software features. A lot of us own software, but we actually don't know, you know, 90% of the features. So 
if you could spend a few minutes, which I like to do kind of nerding out on your own software, you would be surprised at how many features and how powerful it is. And I recommend to go back to it from time to time. There's updates and there's a lot of stuff that you don't know is there and try to learn the stuff you own now. <laughs> because I'm sure you can get a lot more value out of it. That is a beautiful piece of wisdom. I am naturally that way. I'm, I'm a very curious individual. I always, like, like I get that new tech gadget or that new piece of software, that new app, and I pick it apart from the ground up. And one of the things that makes data automation what it is today is because that's a culture thing that we look for. So when I hire a new sales guy, I hire new individuals here. One of the things I'm looking for is that natural curiosity to pick apart the pieces of software that we use so that not only are they able to use that for their our own internal purposes, but also so that they can really start to understand what that client software is looking like. Because, you know, we get into a MailChimp or we get into any one of these other pieces and, and start looking at what's there. You would be shocked at what's under the hood. I mean, you buy that car, if you sit down in that car and you don't learn what every button on that dashboard does, you know, you're going to get into a situation where that button was needed and you didn't know to press it. So finding time for yourself to set aside a half an hour every week or an hour every week to just go push all the buttons, you know, go figure out what every single button inside that dashboard, inside that vehicle does, because the, the makers of that software put that button there for a reason. And there's a hidden gem underneath it. So if you're not naturally curious like that, force yourself or hire somebody who is so that you can get in there and understand that. That's a beautiful piece of wisdom. Lastly, Brian, I'd love it if you would like to to share with our listeners any services or specials, you know, whether they be potential customers of yours or just they'd love to connect. Yeah, sure. So two things. If you'd like to connect, you can email me at Brian, B-R-I-A-N at easychinawarehouse.com. To learn more about us, you can go to easychinawarehouse.com. And also if any of the listeners uh, listen to the show, if you say that you came from the show and you're interested in our services, we'll give you the first two months free storage for your products up to 10 CBM and 10% off your first shipment. Awesome. Well, thank you. I really appreciate the generosity there for the listeners. And um, honestly, Brian, it's been a pleasure. I'm excited for us to to continue chatting after this. I think there's lots of future conversations to come. And I think I'm going to have some questions for you. Um, I'm going to mention that I heard it on this podcast. Make sure I get my first two months free. So <laughs> there we go. That's it, everybody, for today. Our episode of Automate, Delegate, Eliminate. Tune in next time and uh, be sure to check out more news at dataautomation.com forward slash podcast. You've been listening to Automate, Delegate, Eliminate, hosted by Paul Christensen.